bonus message of, on the goodness of God. Would you welcome Chris Paholchuk? Thank you, Scott. Wow, look at this. That was good timing. Um, I would like to just begin by saying something. I haven't uh, done this for two years in a row after being a lead pastor of a church plant. Uh, my wife and I and a couple other families planted in Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada. I haven't given a sermon on a Sunday morning in two years. Okay, so look out, look out. And actually there was one a year ago, but I, anyways, I forgot about that before I put it on Facebook, but anyway, who cares, Facebook doesn't lie. Um, this is also the week anniversary. Two years ago, my family and I arrived in Spokane, um, really not knowing anybody. We only came with the stuff that could fit in our van. Our van only has seven seats. My wife and I have five children and we had a roof topper and we came with our stuff just trusting that the Lord was going to use our lives in a new way than he had before. And so I am very happy to be here with you at North Church. Um, I'm looking forward to um, being the new kids and family pastor here. You'll notice that in the lobby there's a little booth out there. If you get the nudge this morning that you want to maybe become a part of the kids team at this point, because there are going to be more and more exciting things continuing to happen downstairs in God's house, all right? And uh, so I would love to meet you. Um, you can meet uh, our directors um, out at that table after, directly after this um, service. And it'd be great just to say hi. And we got some volunteer applications if somehow through this message, I can guilt you <laughs> into serving our dear Lord. <laughs> All right, just kidding. I'm actually not talking about kids. Oh yeah, and I'm also from Canada. I'm Canadian. My wife's American, match made in heaven. Um, I do, you might have to translate some words. I do like when I'm talking about something. You might have to translate that in your head. Oh, about, or I don't know how you say it. I can't even say about like you do. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, this week, uh, or this message is an unexpected message from Mark. Uh, this story is found in three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And after looking at all three of the accounts of this story, same story, just different perspectives, different details that are omitted and, and, and uh, included and things like that. So I thought I'd go with Mark's because Mark's gospel, only, although it's the shortest of the gospels, yay for reading, um, it also provides the most detail and drama in it. So I would like to share with you a story about living life in God's economy. Living life in God's economy. This story is about a young man who basically had it all. He had money, he had stuff, he had prominence, he had a sweet gig, he had everything that somebody would want. Or I guess in first century Israel language, he was living the first century Israel dream. He had attained it. 
And uh, this guy, um, I guess maybe in um, Western language or speaking American here this morning, he might be known as maybe a yuppie. What's a yuppie? A yuppie, a yuppie is a young urban professional. You know, a yuppie is sometimes, the, you know, for normal people like us, we look at the person that's accomplished more in their 20s than we will the rest of our lives, and we hate ourselves. It's like when you are on Facebook or something and that video comes up of a two-year-old snowboarding, you know, and like doing all these moves, and you're like, what? that makes me not like myself anymore. Look what that two-year-old can do. Well, this is maybe one of those people that, for those of us that um, maybe don't have those successes in life, we haven't achieved that dream, this message is for us. And uh, really, I have one objective this morning. Well, I might have a few, like more kids volunteers. But I have one objective this morning, and it's really this. For those of you that have left something in order to follow Christ with your life, for those of you that have because you put God first in your life, you had to turn away from something, leave something behind. I hope that what comes through in this message this morning is that whatever you've had to give up, whatever you've sacrificed, whatever you have invested into God's economy is worth more than you could ever imagine. It's worth it. And I'll tell you what, I'm the first guy that feels like a loser sometimes, or many times, in the sense that the first two years that we've had in the good old US of A have been the two most difficult years of our family's life. And we've had that pain of what it looks like to maybe not, well, to feel like a loser. I can't put it any other way except for that. So this message is for us losers. Because this young man that we're talking about from the Bible today, he was the guy who had lived the dream, had it all, and even had a faith towards God. But something started to shake his world a little bit. And what it was is that there was this other young man in Israel who was teaching with unmatched wisdom. And he was saying things like, blessed are the poor and woe to the rich. And this rich young ruler who heard of this other young man's, Jesus, spoiler alert, <laughs> teachings, he thought to himself, wait a minute, everything that I've been raised within in first century Israel has told me that if I am a truly successful human being, with all that I've been given by God, then success will happen in my life. And the rich young ruler was thinking to himself probably, I have the success, I have all the marks, but that guy who's teaching with unmatched wisdom, that guy that is performing signs and wonders that are too amazing to be just the sleight of hand and too good to be from the power of the evil one, He's saying something different than what I believe and what I am successful at. So it's in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, if you have a Bible with you, you can flip that open 
If you don't, that's totally fine. You can follow along with me as I read it and some portions that we'll have up in the screen. Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 12. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is a part of the story we might not get in each account of this story in the Gospels, but notice this. The rich young ruler, the yuppie, comes running up to Jesus, falls at his, to his knees, and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So there was something in the rich young ruler's conscience that he just wanted to make sure that as God, his God, was working through Jesus so obviously, he wanted to make sure that he was doing it right, like society around him had told him he was doing it right. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And this is just Jesus, I don't think Jesus is being smug here, saying, why do you call me good? You on your knees calling me good? <laughs> Only God's good. What are you trying to say, buddy? It's not a situation like that as much as it's just acknowledging the rich young ruler's perspective that he's coming to Jesus because obviously he's convinced that God, his God, is at work through Jesus in a very, very unique way. More than just a prophet and more and more and more like a savior. So he comes up to him and he's kneeling and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looks at him and says, why do you call me good? There's only one that's good, that's God. And then he gives this answer. He says, obey the commandments. Or this, you know the commandments. And Jesus here then breaks into five of the 10 commandments. You know, he doesn't go through all of them, but he goes through five of them, adds a bonus one, don't defraud your brother, and, I mean, it's, it's like the bonus pack. It's like the bonus Unexpected Mark series message. He got it. And the rich young ruler's response to this is interesting. So he names the commands. He lists off five of the commands, and the commands are this. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false witness, you shall not defraud, that's the bonus, and honor your father and mother. Now Jesus at this point, you know, is waiting for the rich young ruler's answer. And what does the rich young ruler say? He says this, all these I have kept since I was a boy. All these I've kept since I was a boy. Do you really think he kept them all? Maybe. Maybe he did. I mean, Jesus could have gone all like Sermon on the Mount on the rich young ruler right here and been like, well, you know what? If you have looked at a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery in the heart. And then the rich young ruler, you know, like mind blown, that could have happened. Or it could have been, you know, maybe you haven't physically murdered anybody, but if you have unchecked anger in your heart, resentment towards someone, you're guilty of breaking that command. Jesus did this in another place in Matthew chapter 5. But he didn't. What did he do? He actually accepted 
the rich young ruler's answer as being sincere. And he goes on and he says this. Verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Jesus looked at him and loved him. We live in a day and age which it's so easy to pronounce judgment on a group of people. Isn't that true? That's what Facebook is built around. Just different groups into your newsfeed, the groups that you hate. It comes up and you're like, oh yeah, I hate them too. The groups that you love, it's like, oh, I love DC Talk. <laughs> and then you're, it's just so easy to do, judgments. But what happens when you're in a group, you as a person that's misrepresented? Many times I feel like that as a Christian. Or I feel like that as a former pastor and now a new pastor. I feel like that. Sometimes I don't want people to know I'm a pastor because of all the baggage, the spiritual baggage that comes into people's minds. Oh, pastor, now we can't be funny. Now we can't talk about things that I care about. Now I got to be on my guard. Look out because you're going to get me. You're waiting to get me. When's that sales pitch gonna come? <laughs> but it's different when we look at an individual, when we look at a face, and then what happens is our hearts melt sometimes for that individual person, and we begin to maybe understand the group a little bit more. It's easy to dismiss a group, very, very challenging to dismiss a face and a person. And this is what Jesus did. He looked at him and loved him. Jesus wasn't like, oh, I'm going to get this guy and show him how wrong he is about what it means to be faithful to God in first century Israel. No. He simply says this. You lack one thing. Full of love, this message from Jesus. What is that one thing that he lacked? Mark chapter 10 and verse 21. One thing you lack, Jesus said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. What was the thing the rich young ruler lacked? What was he missing? What was he missing? What was the one thing Jesus said that he lacked? Sorry if we can go back to that passage. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, then you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. If the rich young ruler follows Jesus' instructions right here, what will he now newly possess that he hasn't had before? What is it in that verse? Treasure in heaven. That's what he was missing. He was successful in this present economy. He was wealthy, but what he was beginning to realize through Jesus' words of love is that he was unexpected, unexpectedly dirt poor. He was the one that was in poverty. 
what is treasure in heaven? A lot of the times, I don't know what you think, but maybe you've heard different teachings about this, about like crowns in heaven and jewels and, and stuff stored up and you know, I, all those types of things. I wanna reduce this less about speculation and more just maybe about what the Bible does tell us about what treasure in heaven is. Here's a really cool thing. Sometimes Matthew's gospel, and even Mark's a little bit, is written towards more of a Jewish audience where you have like Jewish little insider stuff that we would read and not really get what it is. Like I just realized recently that you don't use the word keener in the US of A. You don't. In Canada, we call, we'd probably call the rich young ruler a keener. And now you're sitting there going, whoa, is that bad? A keener is just someone who is enthusiastic about something. We usually use it in the context of school, high school, the person that does all their work and is waiting for every detail and wants to get all the best. They're a keener, okay? So add that to your vocab. It sounds really cool, doesn't it? It's amazing. What in the world was I talking about? Oh yeah, Matthew and Mark having the Jewish sayings like what if Mark's like yeah he's a keener and then you're like woo what is that well in Luke's gospel sometimes those are translated a little bit to us into more of a, a Greek or a Roman understanding Do you know that treasure in heaven is done like that it is it's decoded because treasure in heaven sounds so abstract but in Luke chapter 10 or maybe it's chapter 12 or maybe I should check my notes. <laughs> Luke chapter 12. In the parable of the rich foo, I like to say it like Mr. T. I pity the foo. I pity the rich foo. Luke chapter 12, and just really simply in verse 14, 15, Jesus says this, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then later he says this, this is how it will be with those who store up things for themselves, but are not rich towards God. That's what treasure in heaven is getting at. This idea that how God sees life and what's happening in the here and now and what's gonna happen forever in eternity is that there's a whole different economy at work. And either we can be rich towards God because we're investing in the things that God cares about or we can be investing in ourselves and the things that we care about. And right now it's kind of an invisible economy. It's not the one that's you know, touted to us in all these different various forms to make us feel like losers that we have to keep trying harder and harder to achieve these things. The message to the rich young ruler was this, you're missing, you have everything, but you're missing something, and it's actually the most important thing. And Jesus is letting him know this out of love because he doesn't want the rich young ruler to get to the end of it all and realize that God didn't really care as much about his personal success for himself. He cared about how his life was impacting God's world. What is, what was the rich young ruler's response to this? Mark chapter 10, 
Jesus says, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. So what is Jesus asking him to do? He's like, you, you don't have any treasure in heaven. Let's open an account. <laughs> do you remember doing that when you were a kid or maybe when you're an adult, opening a new bank account? You're like, I have $20 to put in my new bank account. Uh -huh. It's kind of like that, only it's not just 20 bucks. Maybe as a kid, all you had was $20 and you kept on asking your parent or your guardian, you kept asking, why do I have to put everything I have into this? But that's the call, opening an account in heaven, in God's economy. Sell all that you have. Oh my gosh. And then he says, give to the poor. And this is just very self-explanatory, as my wife likes to say about the Bible. The benefits that we receive in life are meant to be used to grow God's healing and redemption in the world outside of our own lives. Give it away. And then come follow me. Find a brand new way of living outside of your covetousness, outside of the first century, first century Israel dream, outside of all these, of what you thought success was going to be. Live a brand new way. Learn a new way of doing this thing by following me step by step. What happened? The rich young ruler heard this and was sad. The most important question of his life he asked that he was on his knees. Remember, the whole thing is happening with the rich young ruler down like this. And then his face fell. Have you ever noticed your face falling? Have you seen someone else's face fall when they get a disappointing message, something they didn't want to hear? Mm. This is what happened, and he went away sad. Now what's interesting is at this point, Jesus says this. How hard is it for, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed. Or in verse 24, it says the disciples were amazed, and then they were even more amazed in verse 26. The disciples are amazed by the fact that the rich aren't successful. Everything they were taught was that the rich are successful. But they were amazed that there was a different message. There's another story just a couple of chapters later about Zacchaeus who was another rich guy. And he didn't do the move that rich young ruler did. What must I do to get eternal life? Sell everything you have, give to the poor, then come follow me. Yikes. Zacchaeus did this. Jesus, I'm gonna sell half of everything I have, give that to the poor, and if I've wronged anybody, if I've defrauded anybody, I'm going to pay them four times as much back, which was what the Old Testament said Jewish people were to do who wronged people. That's what it looks like to repent. And Zacchaeus was kind of smart to suggest a solution. <laughs> he got to keep half. <laughs> I got a deal for you, Jesus. Jesus like, cool, salvation has come to this house. Right on. Now the disciples are amazed that the rich aren't really successful in of just their success that way. And then Peter speaks up for all of us. And he says this. We have left everything to follow you. 
Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will not fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, along with the persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. So Peter all of a sudden, like, uh, he's doing the math, like watching this all go, and they're all amazed that, what? It's not about being successful financially, it's actually about you know, investing in what God is doing in the world. And then Peter's like, wait a minute, that's me, that's us. We don't have any, we just had a couple of fishing nets we left behind and then we went on and did this thing. And then Jesus goes into this whole thing where yeah, this is the best life to live in light of eternity, but it's also the best one now. Whatever we give up in the here and now will not only mean something forever, far more than we could ever imagine, we actually begin to receive those things in the here and now. Relationships, community, family. Even if we didn't have to give up much, we get a hundredfold. Now this isn't biblical math. It's not like you give a dollar in the collection plate, you get a hundred dollars back somehow. That's not how it works. Luke's gospel says it like this, we'll receive many times more. It's just a figure of speech. Don't try to work this out. Just know that whatever you give up, you get unimaginably more in return. And it begins now and into the future. Relationships, communities, things, identity, love, forgiveness. And this is a part of being a part of a church family when it comes, say, to kids, when it comes to moms, when it comes to discipleship and people growing, coming new in the faith as it applies to people as Christians just growing together over the years, is that God wants us, Jesus is leading us into investing in those things. And saying, Lord, I'm willing to sacrifice, I'm willing to be inconvenienced, I'm willing to give all I have to invest in what you're doing in this world. Now, because I'm the new guy, I don't even know if there's any rich young rulers here. I don't even know. But if you are, the Bible has special instructions for you. Number one, make up your own deal. That's easier than giving up everything. No. First Timothy chapter six, read it if you're rich. If you're well off, read it, because the Bible says that as believers and we have funds and that success, we're supposed to use it in the here and now to see God's kingdom grow. And for those of us that have left things behind in order to be faithful to Jesus, I hope you know that it's absolutely worth it. I hope you know that even if you feel like a loser at times, you're on the right path. And I hope that if you're someone who has never done that before, I hope that the baggage maybe that you're carrying of, of Christianity and spirituality that you've gathered up over the years Maybe there's a different way than what you've heard before. An authentic way. A way that it's like, I'm all in. This isn't gonna be some sort of hypocritical part of my life type of thing. I'm giving it all up. And I'm gonna to begin to learn how to live in the here and now in a brand new way 
a Jesus way that'll mean the difference forever and eternity. Come meet me in the lobby after I pray. God, we want to thank you for what you have done through Jesus. We thank you for what you are doing through us. And God, I pray for those of us that are like Peter going, wait, 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 wait a minute, that's me. I'm more successful than I thought, unexpected wealth. Lord, thank you for that affirmation and that encouragement to keep on rocking and rolling with you. And Father, if we are a rich young ruler today, Lord, help us to find what we're supposed to walk away from, what we're supposed to invest in your kingdom and, and how to begin living the new Jesus way forward in life. And God, I pray that if we're someone that is, maybe doesn't fit in either of these two categories and we're just overwhelmed by old Christian stuff that's just hasn't maybe been the best stuff in our past, help us to find that you do offer a new, fresh, real, authentic way in following you in this world that totally makes a difference in the here and now and forever. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we thank you so much for finding North Church Sermons Online, and we hope that the message today brought value and enrichment to your life. If you'd like to participate in the giving of this ministry, there's a couple of easy ways for you to do that. You can text the word NORTH to 77977 and receive a text back and get your online giving set up in under 60 seconds. Or else you can visit us online at northchurch.net and click on Give Online and participating in the things that God's doing right here at North Church. We thank you so much for joining us. God bless.